Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Phantom Galaxy, or War These Go to Eleven, depending <laughs> where you're listening to this. Uh, I am your host, Nathan Bartlebaugh, and the other host, Nathan Bell. Nathan, Nathan from These Go to Eleven, and actually, Nathan was co-hosting me for a long time on Pop Culture Ninja. What, like 2016? Yeah. Like, out four years ago yeah yeah that sounds about right and uh we went uh we went pretty strong for what about six months and then uh life happened <laughs> yeah well yeah we kind of we everything was going on and we were still podcasting i phantom galaxy has not had an actual episode in quite a while it's mostly been crossover episodes uh kind of uh guest appearing on these code 11 just uh the last year or so has been kind of crazy with kids and yeah new uh job stuff and in, in, in general but finally in a place where we're really looking forward to getting back into it uh and without the new year would be a good time to do that and uh i thought it'd be really fun nathan to have you on and kind of uh jump in and and talk about like some of the 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 beginning of 2020 yeah and some of the end of the stuff of 2019 because i was only intermittently on um your podcast from time to time i didn't really get a chance to talk about a lot of uh in in terms of science fiction fantasy and horror which is kind of what phantom galaxy has focused on in the past Mm -hmm. uh didn't have a chance to really talk about a lot of the movies, the books, and the games, and things that came out uh, for a while now. You know, I'd have conversations. Most of the conversations I would have either with you or Seth or somebody, and I'm thinking, oh, this could have been a podcast. Why yeah. we, <laughs> we record it? I think we kept up with it, but not uh, not with an audience. So we're back, and one of the things I really I'm looking forward to doing with Phantom Galaxy uh, with this go round is really focusing on uh, what's what's behind all of these things that we love: science fiction, fantasy. Hard genre stuff, uh, the stories that inspire it, the things that we really find special about it. I find I feel like most recently it's easy to kind of like lose sight of well, why do we enjoy these things in the first place? You know, I, I sit watching a movie, or I'm taking the time to read a book, or I'm taking the time to do this other thing. And uh, what is it about those experiences that we find special? Like if we're if we're going to put our time and our money into them, is there something worthwhile? At the same time, I'm really just looking forward to like having that uh, kind of pub related chat like we used to yeah. i want to i want to talk about some more beer yes <laughs> i'm feeling some with after the holidays i've tried to like cut back so i'm feeling a little bit of withdrawal so i may have to vicariously discuss alcohol <laughs> from time to time but i'm looking forward to having you on more regularly and seth regularly and having a kind of a, a turnstile of guests and going back to doing some weekly reviews i'm, I'm a little rusty i'm starting to feel the like uh <laughs> The design. I, I got burned out on the critic gig, and now I'm like watching from the sidelines. I'm like, oh, every once in a while, I have that desire to get back in. But yeah. Uh, so, Nathan, before we do all that, though, like you and I have been meaning to, and because of the holidays, we didn't really get a chance to sit down and kind of, you know, do what everyone else has done and talk Star Wars. Yes. Again, <laughs> uh, you know, possibly for the last. It could have been possibly for the last time, but I think with you know Disney. Plus dropping and the Mandalorian now on the table, and you know, really, uh, even a new video game, which I know you've you've uh, you've, you've been playing. Yeah, is Star Wars is you know it's on again, and it's the big thing again, and everybody has been talking about it. And we're maybe a little late to the table, but I really want to talk about it. I actually have some things I'd like to to discuss about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I there are feelings I have related to Star Wars now that I didn't necessarily have when some of the other movies released. And uh, my interaction with Star Wars over the years has always been a little bit different. 
uh, almost every time a new series of these movies is released. You know, I was yeah. basically a hundred percent in love with the old movies, but, but I wasn't a hardcore star Wars fan who had read the books or anything like that. So it, it, my relationship with the series and the whole concept has probably evolved over time. And we had a huge podcast a couple of years ago when the last Jedi came out. Yeah. I think we did like a close to three hours where you and I went through pretty much the whole series and the last Jedi. So we don't really need to rehash any of that. <laughs> right. But, um, I think where we all, where you and I probably picked back up with this in terms of, um, oh, there's new Star Wars was with The Mandalorian because it dropped on Disney Plus, and I uh, had I had no intention really of getting it. Like I planned to watch The Mandalorian, but I was like, yeah, Disney Plus, Disney rules everything. I don't want this. <laughs> and I, you know, the, of course, I have that draw, that magnetic draw, that okay, something just released. Yeah, I need to see what it looks like. And the day it dropped, we were looking at all the things that they are actually putting on Disney Plus, you know, and so many old TV movies and Disney movies, live action Disney movies that I loved. And in some ways you couldn't really find except with the murky copies on YouTube and all the TV shows, Gargoyles and DuckTales and all these things. And I saw, okay, I need to do this. And I think two days later I was pestering you to do it. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh. Yeah, it um you know, it's like you said we were talking about doing the review and uh I was like, "All right, well, I'll go ahead and do uh the 7-day trial. We'll see what happens." Did the 7-day trial and ended up signing up for a year. So, uh no no regrets on that one. There's plenty of content to keep keep one entertained and I've actually been enjoying uh, the Star Wars content, the Mandalorian. I went back and watched uh, Star Wars Rebels. Um, and then, uh, you know, so I, I'm really excited about the stuff that they've got coming out on Disney Plus. Um, so, but yeah, you know, the, the Star Wars movie came out and I, I think for the past three weeks we had been talking about trying to hit that one up and, and do a review on that one. And like you said before that, it was The Mandalorian. So now it's kind of coming full circle. And we're gonna we're gonna have a good portion of it dedicated to some Star Wars stuff. But like you said, we're gonna also look at some other things that have come out. Uh, I know since we've done the podcast uh, last, Nathan, you um, you saw Frozen Two. Uh, I saw Jumanji Two, and so we've got some other things that we're gonna talk about past, and then some things that we're looking forward to coming up in the future. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm quite looking forward to it. We. With this podcast, I probably have a, a chance where you and I can talk a little bit about some of the things we really liked in uh, 2019. I do have a podcast coming up with Seth where we're going to look more specifically at our favorite like horror and sci-fi movies of 2019. You and I, I think that uh, we are going to talk some video games yes. a little bit. But I probably got the bulk of my video game playing for the entire year in somewhere between Christmas <laughs> <laughs> took the week off and like my son just got a nintendo switch and we had the, the ps4 so a lot of fun stuff there but let's yeah let's do star wars and before before that very briefly um the disney plus thing and it's you and i are seeing no money from this so oh, yeah and the disney doesn't necessarily need any sort of plug. but i will say that like yes star wars mandalorian is on there and it's absolutely worth watching i mean i think it's safe to say that up front and all the episodes are on there now. So I will say when we talk about this, Nathan, I feel pretty confident we can talk about it mostly spoiler-free. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of, the things that we will end up spoiling are things that the entire internet has already spoiled. Right, right. And I, Which is kind of a disappointment a little bit because I was able to see the very first episode and get that kind of 
experience from it of surprise without knowing that that was coming. Yes. Uh, I don't know if that was your experience, but I think we probably maybe both saw it early enough that we weren't, you know, yep. uh, some of the your things that have now hit the internet, uh, hit the internet. But in addition to the star Wars stuff, and they do have all the star Wars movies, I think maybe with the exception of no last Jedi is on there now too. Maybe solo is the only one that's not on there. Which will uh, be getting the- on there soon. I mean, Netflix is just, they've got the rights for it just for a little bit longer. But I think if you go on there, you can see the, uh, the coming to the coming to Disney plus date, uh, that Disney plus has on there. Yeah, Disney Disney Plus has a lot of the movies lined up with their date, like what their release date is. It's weird to see some movies like Mr. Magoo. It's like coming in 2021. I'm like, is anyone waiting until 2021 <laughs> to watch Mr. Magoo, like the, the Leslie Nielsen movie from like 97? I'm like, who's got that and why do they have it? Uh, no disrespect, Leslie Nielsen. May you rest in peace. But the – the the movies that are on there outside of Star Wars, and again, we talked about the older movies, but Disney Plus it does have a uh, a slate of new movies and new TV series that mm-hmm. are coming on there, and there's good stuff in there. I mean, honestly, my children and I can't, uh, and I'm not sure if it's still continuing now, but we couldn't wait every week for the there for the small Toy Story shorts that would show up. Forky asks a question. Oh yeah, yeah. We're, like. Spork character from the last Toy Story movie comes on and he's like, what is a computer or what is love? <laughs> I think was, what is cheese? But the amusing thing is in the three minutes, they do everything but answer the question that he asks. He gets discombobulated and on to something else. And then they're talking about quantum physics or something. and They don't address cheese at all. And then I guess similar but longer, they have the world according to Jeff Goldblum. Yes. Where he'll talk for an hour about sneakers or ice cream or something like that. Yes, yes. My wife and I, uh, we we watch that show. Of course, we really enjoy Jeff Goldblum. But the first question we ask people now is, "Do you like Jeff Goldblum?" And if the answer is no, we don't bother showing. But if the answer is yes, we're like, "Oh, you have to see this." When I think Jeff Goldblum himself said something similarly, he's like, "Well, if anybody likes the stuff I do, then this is just a lot more of it. If you don't." <laughs> nothing will change right it's just which is basically it's not it's not like the greatest show it's basically everything that you need to know about the show is encapsulated in the title yes and uh but it's fun but i like the diversity of the different things that they have going on there there's a lot of national geographic content on there yeah that's really cool there's a there's a really awesome uh documentary on there about uh about a mountain climber called free solo that mm-hmm. i would really recommend uh anyone who's anyone really who's interested in in documentaries or in mountain climbing or just in seeing something that's kind of thrilling. I really, uh, I recommend that one. And then there's a, there's a new movie with Willem Dafoe, uh, about the sled dog relays and the, during the, um, when they were trying to, they, they were trying to get the medicine across the, uh, with the sled dogs are trying to get it across the ice. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, there was a movie several years back, the cartoon movie Balto about the sled dog that carried the medicine. And this is that same, Time frame and it's called uh, Togo, I believe. Yes, uh, and that looks. Re- I have not seen it yet, but it looks really good. Uh, so there's a plenty of stuff on there outside of Star Wars, but it is awesome that you've got the Star Wars content. You have a lot of the Marvel content coming on. Yeah, but let's just let's go ahead and talk about Mandalorian. Let's talk about it in kind of the broad strokes, I guess, and I'll let you kick it off, Nate. What your uh, and I think because now because we know that the, the, the whole thing is aired, you can kind of give your whole feelings about. The show as a whole, you could talk about the individual things you liked, but in your yeah. reactions. But what do you think about this? How does this uh, 
how does this affect how you either previously were thinking about Star Wars or how you think about Star Wars now or where you think Star Wars can go in the future? I think we were previously left with Solo as the last Star Wars content, really, that we, in terms of movies that we'd had mm-hmm. uh, uh, up until this was released. Yeah, so I, um, I, I mean, beginning to end, they had me hooked. One of the things that I have enjoyed about this and that I think Disney Plus is doing that I actually wish Netflix would do is they're dropping one episode a week. Um, and I just, I, I think that's fantastic because there's no, there's no pressure to sit there and try to binge it all and get it all through and done. Um, the other thing that I really enjoy about it is not every episode is the same time frame. Uh, the first and the last episodes are the longer ones, but the ones in the middle, uh, they vary in time. It's not a straight 30 minutes, 40 minutes. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's 35 minutes. Sometimes it's 32 minutes. And, and I really like that. They're just, they're long enough to tell the story that they want to tell. And then they're, they're okay. We're done. We're moving on to the next one. Um, but yeah, from beginning to end, uh, you know, we, we talked about some of the things in there that have already been spoiled. Um, of course you have, uh, baby Yoda, which, uh, John Favreau has, uh, you know, absolutely rejected because it's not baby Yoda. Um, but has put it out there that it's to be called the child. Um, and you know, it is Yoda's, uh, race alien, but absolutely fantastic. I mean, the, the, I don't know if they're using CGI or puppetry or a mixture of both, but uh, whatever they're doing, it is, it's amazing. Um, the gentleman who's uh, playing the Mandalorian, uh, Pedro Pascal, is that correct? It is. It is. Yep. Pedro Pascal is the Mandalorian. And uh, primarily, primarily we're hearing his voice, mm-hmm. um, in the, the, you know, because the Mandalorian is mostly encased behind a helmet, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he he definitely is cutting a pretty uh, uh, iconic figure in mm-hmm. the show. He is, and and one of the things that I think is absolutely fantastic, and I was having this discussion uh, early on with a coworker of mine, was uh, he he's literally behind the mask the entire time, but the range of emotion that is coming from behind that mask. Is actually, it's fantastic. I mean, the the work that he is doing in expressing himself without any facial features uh, is is blowing my mind away. I am very much impressed with uh, with what he's doing with that and how he's taking this character who uh, you you're not seeing and portraying all of these emotions uh, behind him. And so I, I'm really I'm enjoying that part of it. Uh, a lot of the lore that's coming into it, and even for those who are really big, the Manda lore, if you will. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> Just had to get it in, didn't you? I had to. I was going to sit there and squirm if I didn't. Um, but uh, you know, all these side pieces that are coming into it. And really bringing about uh, this story, there's uh, some new original content that we haven't seen before. But there's a lot of things that that big fans of Star Wars will be familiar with and know that are coming in as well. And so 
I really think that this is a series that's going to please everyone. I also think this isn't just a series for Star Wars fans, that there's a lot going on in here that if you're like, well, I'm not really a big fan of Star Wars and the Jedi and all that stuff, there's a lot more going on in here. It's fantastic storytelling. Um, And each episode, I feel like, is a good amount of action, adventure, um, and again, that that kind of you know bred in storytelling that's going on, and so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I could go on and on, but Nathan, I want to hear some of your thoughts on it. Yeah, I I agree with many of the things you just said. Pretty much all of, I, I agree with all the things you just said. I would also probably state, and I you know people love hyperbole when it comes to Star Wars, but I mean, I I kind of feel confident now having seen the new movie and everything that you know this is probably. Uh, Live action wise, because the, like you had kind of alluded, the Clone Wars and Rebels are very good shows. Yes, They're very good, particularly Rebels. It, it's it's excellent. So, but in the live action world of Star Wars, this is the best live action Star Wars thing we've probably had in like thirty years. Yeah. Uh, now, granted, many people will think the bar may not be <laughs> dreadfully high there, but I. I'd argue that this is really going like this is some of the most like in terms of originality. This is some of the best originality we've had since the Empire Strikes Back. What's mm-hmm. happening in the Mandalorian? In some ways, on the first half, the first episode when it was done, I was satisfied with it. There were some surprises there, as you pointed out, the creature. The that everyone is calling Baby Yoda, and that's fine because we don't know what else to really call him. The child sounds ridiculous. Have you guys seen the child? <laughs> it's nine o'clock. Where's the child? But like the, the 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 little Yoda creature. Yes, it's clearly not Yoda. We aren't even sure if it's Yoda's offspring. It could be, I suppose. I mean, if it is, he's a he's a pretty happening oldster. But I mean, elsewhere in the Star Wars universe, it seems like that's a thing too. Right. But we'll Talk about that later, <laughs> but the the and the levels of detail even in the first episode were really cool, and there was definitely bringing in, like you said, they're bringing in lore and they're bringing it from a lot of different places. I I don't know who, who gets to decide what's canon and what's not of all the expanded universe stuff, the books and everything, but it seems clear that they are picking things here and there, and mm-hmm. and Favreau obviously kind of knows that people are going to be pay attention to this stuff. But what I sort of enjoy, uh, particularly in those first couple episodes, is that when he brings it in, he's not waving a big flag or a lens flare the way, yes. you know, J.J. Sorty does to, to put a spotlight on. Remember this thing. I mean, Solo is made up almost entirely of just callbacks. Yes. You know, to the point that I actually got kind of tired of it and I just wanted them to tell me a story. And... Mandalorian, first and foremost, is telling us a story, and it's telling us – it seems like the people who made The Mandalorian went back and watched all of the movies that that George Lucas watched. Not that they actually sat down and watched those movies, but when they went to make this thing, they weren't doing what everyone else has done for the past – in Lucas himself included – for the past 20-some years where when I make a Star Wars thing – the first thing I do is go watch all the, the other Star Wars movies. Right. And that while well, thinking about when I make this movie is Star Wars. And so that's why Last Jedi looks like Empire or whatever. And that's why, uh, you know, when The Force Awakens comes out, it's almost it's a new hope all over again. Right. And 
that happens because of this fidelity to, okay, the only inspiration for Star Wars is Star Wars, but what made the original cool was that George Lucas was pulling from Westerns and from Akira Kurosawa samurai movies mm-hmm. and from these big sky country dra- drama epics. You know, all of these things were kind of coming together and science fiction. You know, there are elements of Isaac Asimov uh, storylines that are coming in that, that build Star Wars, but it becomes this kind of unique collaboration of pieces mm-hmm. and Mandalorian when you look at it the western sensibility is very strong there mm-hmm. obviously you know, and not just the sort of man with no name Clint Eastwood thing that would be kind of obvious you know that Yojimbo the one lone right. samurai hunter who comes into town there's that but there's a lot of elements the same kind of things that Joss Whedon played with with Serenity and Firefly this idea of this expansive world that is now broken up because there's no empire so lawlessness is sort of a thing again right. and you're seeing these little these people living in little spaces on the fringe of everything and the way he's handling that in these episodes I feel like I'm finally seeing uh, we're interacting with the aliens in ways that we haven't since some of those early Star Wars movies mm-hmm. uh, there's a creature that's I don't know exactly how it's done, uh, but you've got someone with a, under this makeup, and then you hear the voice of Nick Nolte yeah. uh, as this little character, um, and he's really fascinating. And the creatures he has, who I'm pretty certain these creatures, I was looking at them, and I'm like, these creatures were from the Ewok movies from the 80s. Yes, <laughs> the, yeah. They look tadpoles crossed with Tyrannosauruses, their little arms in front of them. He, he calls them something. I, I don't recall the, the name of the creature. Um, I'm sure you can find it on the Wikipedia, I believe. <laughs> but, uh, whatever those things are, they uh, they were in the the Battle for Endor movie, yep. and he they reference Life Day <laughs> in yeah. the first episode. But these things are like you see them, and someone pointed out that in one of the scenes he has a um, when some of the old Empire soldiers are are you know the Empire's kind of still around. It's not really around, but there are still people dressed in imperial uh, guard outfits and you still have uh characters uh you know you had um john carlo esposito shows up kind of later in there as moff gideon you know mm-hmm. so it's like this is the empire still kicking around it's not the first order at this point but it's not the full-blown empire but there's still a contingent seems to be trying to operate uh, uh on the fringes of things mm-hmm. and so there's a point when one of those landers lands and it's apparently only was ever in toy form <laughs> back in the – Favreau's putting all this stuff in the background, but he's not drawing an excessive amount of attention to it. But what he is drawing attention to is this idea of, of this group of people, these Mandalorians who follow a specific code that all we ever really knew was Boba Fett, right? Yeah. And this idea that he's kind of one of a kind. And people are always sort of like, well, how much interest can you actually build into a Boba Fett movie? And that's what the Mandalorian's really in- answering is how can you do this? To what you said, uh, the voice work and everything is being done with all these characters because there's a, there's a there's a significant amount of characters who are on screen who kind of really aren't on screen. You know? Right, they're right. being just like Darth Vader was three or four components, right? Like you had Prowse was wearing the costume, mm-hmm. Jones was doing the voice, later Sebastian Shaw was the face mm-hmm. until he was replaced by Hayden Christensen. Right, but the, the everything that's kind of happening with a lot of these characters is down to very meticulous technical details, but it all feels organic. Like there's a, there's a scene. I, I want to say the second episode um, brings back some character, brings the Jawas back. Yes. And I don't want to say too much more about it. Not like anything amazing or, you know, uh, we, it's not like we learn anything new about them, but we start 
to see more of them and how they interact. And we see some interactions with that giant crawler they have yep. that were things that you got hints of, but they build them out, but they don't, they don't overdo it. And so the, the Jawas and the Sand Raiders, and they're all an organic part of this world. And there's a point when he confronts this creature in the desert. That entire sequence is really exciting and thrilling in the way that the scenes in some of the original Star Wars movies were. Yep. I love the monster. I think I said when the, the 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 last series of movies came out. I love the creatures and the planets and the locales of Star Wars, and I feel like that got lost amidst mm-hmm. all the Skywalker stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, building characters and there's a there's a whole collection of characters that we haven't really talked much about, Nathan. Um, that he that he just starts to build a stable of interesting characters that surround the Mandalorian. Yeah, and who. What I like about you, you mentioned like you like that it's every week and it's not all dumped on at one time. I kind of like that too because it creates a sense of like ex- expectation and yes. interest. Yes. You're obviously, oh, I have something to look forward to. But then it gives time to kind of discuss and think about it. That's what this show is relying a lot upon the imagination, the way the original Star Wars were. We, we're not going to give you everything. We're going to give you a few hints of something mm-hmm. and then let you think about it for a while. I mean – there's a shot in one about midway through this series, mm-hmm. and you might know what I'm talking about, where we see a hint of what might be another character mm-hmm. that we may or may not know. And they don't ever pick that back up, at least not that I noticed in this in this particular series. In this Correct. eight episodes, they don't ever go back to it. Yep. They dangle it out there. They leave it out there. It is not relevant to the story that's being told in the moment, but it's enough to throw it out there. And it's not the last shot of the of the first season or anything like that. It's a shot at one point and it's just left there. And it, it creates this sense of it's allowing these spaces not to be filled. And that was my problem when suddenly everybody's related in star Wars, everybody's connected. There's no room for your imagination to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still don't that, but you know, like, as you point out, this creature is still called the child. We don't know really where it came from. We clearly see this is, going to be the gist of the show we don't know why the people who want it want it Mm -hmm. uh we can make we can make guesses about that but it's fascinating because it's leaving a lot of they're they're not throwing their storytelling work out there all at once they're giving us time to fill in the blanks but then so far what i think is dangerous when you do that is if you don't come up with something as good as what's in somebody's mind Mm -hmm. then you set yourself up for disappointment but like with this space in between these episodes, you're sitting there, what's going to happen next? I've been pretty – I think they've been doing a nice job of meeting and exceeding the expectations that you have that you have yes. for these characters. There's a, there's a character that they bring in in the first episode, a kind of bounty hunting droid that I was like, oh, it's a great character. Why didn't they do any more with that character? And then they turn – you know, mm-hmm. it's – they subvert your expectations again. They say, oh, you know, you, did, you went even beyond what I was expecting. Yes. Yeah, and and that that really is to me uh, one of one of the great things about this is you, you're you're literally you're watching this like you said it, it feels like you're watching original Star Wars you know even um, I, I even enjoy the stuff that they do at the end of the the series when they're rolling through the credits um, a lot of people will skip right over that but don't do that I mean watch watch the credit end sequences and the things that are going on there because uh, the things that they're doing with that are really cool and and stylistic and um, you know essentially what we're looking at there is we're looking at the storyboards yeah 
made for before the episode was filmed. And that kind of draws, draws me back that when I watched Star Wars originally, yes, it was wonderful to watch these stories, but it was just as fascinating to watch those documentaries, you yes. know, where they would like the three guys up inside of Jabba the Hutt's tail moving yeah. it around and everything. And it doesn't go quite that far, but like you said, seeing those storyboards at the very end, it kind of brings back that imagine, you know, again, the emphasis on not on toys or on merchandise, but on the imagination and the characters and rewatching the, we went back to with my kids and watched all from episode one, all the way up. And then we finished with rise of Skywalker and looking back at those first three, four, five, and six, you know, what really makes them still stand apart is that it's really about the character interactions. I don't mean mm-hmm. that they're greatly written characters, uh, but the banter and the what he's essentially done is he made this big fantasy world, but he has a he has like the kids from American Graffiti. It's like Archie and Jughead out right. in space, Veronica <laughs> doing stuff, and it's because of how modern and how relatable they kind of are, the way they joke with each other, and the way Han Solo's teasing Obi Wan as they go. You know, that's the stuff that's the heart of Star Wars. I think like we've got all those other things, but if that stuff wasn't there, it wouldn't have worked. And Mandalorian's doing something a little different. But I feel like the emphasis is still on character development. Yes. And, and I think Baby Yoda is primarily a puppet. One of the I, – because I was reading an article, Werner Herzog, who's a very famous German director. And, and more recent years, he's been a documentarian. He's the guy who uh, is the, who sends the Mandalorian out, you know, and then he mm-hmm. brings him – he brings Yoda back. And the lady who was directing one of the episodes said, well, it's very strange because we've got the puppet here – and it's on set, and Warner Herzog is trying to direct the puppet that he's in a scene with. He's like, oh, very good. Do this. Now, yes, you did that perfectly. And she was, she said at one point, she just looked at herself and said, this is my life. This is what I do. She's <laughs> <laughs> just watching him give direction to the little baby Yoda um, and talking to it like, you did very well. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, they've set it up well. It, it, I see people canceling their subscriptions <laughs> now that the Mandalorian's done. I mean, I think I do think that uh, Disney Plus—they've got some stuff in in line that I'm sure is going to be really good. But they have set the bar pretty high. Mm-hmm. But to me, what this has done is it's opened up a Star Wars that people will want to be a part of again and uh, be a part of in the sense of this. Watching this makes my kids want to like make up stories about what's happening in the Mandalorian universe. It makes them want to do more than fight on the internet right. about whether Luke hide in a cave. And that I think is the, maybe the biggest thing that it's bringing to the table is it, it's, it's opening up again, a world for our imaginations to play in instead of this thing where we can buy more toys or we can buy more junk related to it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm set on, you know, what they're doing with that. I'm excited about where they're going to go with it. Um, and, I, and, and I think you came at the perfect time too. Yes. Yeah. We're about the same way, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is, um, you know, they, they typically will drop the Mandalorian every Friday, but they actually ended up dropping uh, the second to last episode on Wednesday because that was the Wednesday before Rise of Skywalker. Uh, or um, the um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Rise of Skywalker. Sorry, getting uh, getting too many names confused in my head. It, at this point, it could have been called Star Wars. It's a mad, mad, <laughs> mad, mad world. You wouldn't have noticed a difference. 
Oh man, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Uh, but, um, yeah, so, you know, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker comes out. Um, Joy and I did actually end up going and seeing it opening night. Uh, not Thursday night, but real opening night, Friday night. Um, we, she came home late that evening. It was around, uh, 1030 and she was like, Hey, you want to go see Star Wars? So we found, uh, an 11 o'clock showing or an 1130 showing something like that. And we ended up going and seeing it, uh, opening night. Uh, you saw it a little bit later, correct, Nathan? Yeah. When I finally got the kids and everybody together to see it, it was a little bit later than that. But I mean, I, I still essentially went in with, um, you know, I, I hadn't been Spoiled on it. Um, although, I mean, the ex- I, I knew everything that had been revealed in the trailers and everything like that. I really didn't know anything beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I will say, I don't know how. Like, yes, there are things that happen that could be spoiled, but the I feel like the I, trailers. I, about- yeah, I, I yeah. really, I feel like the trailers really do enough that th- there were no twists and surprises that came there's only at one me. thing i would have been absolutely surprised by i believe in this movie and that was ruined not ruined but that was revealed months ago when they put somebody laughing at the end of a trailer right that that and and i don't mean surprised in necessarily this like mind blown kind of way but just because of how random i never would have assumed that that would have happened yeah in the movie uh, like I, there was nothing in the last two movies that pointed to it, so right. that's the only thing. Because once this movie started rolling, I I feel like even the big reveals were not surprising. But I'd like yeah. to. Um, I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this one from the the get go too, because. Uh, um, but I've got a lot of thoughts on it. Actually, yeah. they're not all. Um, they're not all in one way either. Uh, but but I, I'm curious to hear what you you felt i know we kind of talked generally and you told me something but i would probably generally agree with that sentiment but there's so many other things going on yeah so um so yeah when you and i talked i basically said um i i kind of felt like i did with um infinity war i felt like uh there were some really good things that i wanted to see more of uh now when you say infinity war do you mean both movies or do you mean the end game uh, i i'm sorry i meant um i meant end game so kind of the closing of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were some things that I thought were really well done. I wanted to see more of. There were some things that I, I've seen and I think have been, uh, ha- have been done to death in Star Wars. And I could have done without some of those things. Um, and so I, I was, I, I think I can say this confidently without spoiling anything. I felt like the relationship between Kylo Ren and Rey um, was very well done, and I wanted to see that developed even more and more done with that. Um, I thought that that was interesting. I liked what they did, and I wanted to see more. Um, and I, I was kind of disappointed with some of the other things that they decided to throw in there um, in, in terms of story and uh, moving things along. And, and there were times that I just, I was looking at some of the things and I, I just, I felt honestly quite bored with some of the things that I was seeing. And I don't think I've ever said that about, um, Star Wars before. 
Uh, even even the Phantom Menace, honestly, at least the very first time I saw it, I wouldn't have said that either. Yeah, yeah. And but I but I felt like there were just pieces of this movie that I was watching, and I'm like, I, I'm done with this. Like I, I I feel like they've done some of these things to death. And I, I was more interested in some of the newer things that they were bringing out, and I wanted to see more. I wanted more story developed with that to have, uh, you know, a, a better a better picture of what was going on with it. Um, you know, we we see uh, we saw in the Last Jedi, and again, I don't think there's anything spoiling um, with the trailers that oh, are and out. L- and let me say with this, like the Mandalorian. A lot of people haven't seen it, and I think it was easy to talk about them without getting. I think it was easy to talk about them without getting into spoiler yes. territory because you know we, we can generally give the feelings on what should be explained. This one, I think, to really get into how I feel about it, it's gonna be hard not to talk about yeah. without spoilers. So, yeah. I mean, you can give your general thoughts on it. Um, my general thoughts weren't that, that too far along, and then we can get right into we can get into the spoilers. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did um, you have anything else non-spoilery? Um, yeah. So I, again, I you know I felt like um, you know they I felt like it was good. Um, I, I enjoyed it as a closing, um, but it wasn't great. And I think there were some things missing. And again, when we get to the spoilers, uh, talk about some of that. Um, I, I was uh, I, I enjoyed um, many of the uh, sequences that they did with uh, you know we had talked about in the Last Jedi um, and in some of the other things we're not really seeing anything new anything interesting I feel like they actually did a little bit more with taking us to some new locations that uh, that were more interesting. Than some of the things we've seen in the past, I didn't feel like I was just reliving um, Endor or Hoth uh, or the Death Star like I had been in the previous movies. I feel like there are some new interesting locations that we're getting out of this one. And so, like I said, there there was a lot that I did like about it, um, but I will, again, will say that I was bored with some of it and I've never felt that before. Um, so Nathan, what about your thoughts? I think the point you made, you said, you know, I was bored. I would like, not like, not after the fact, cause star Wars movies, particularly the most recent ones, I think they have a habit of you watch them. And then when you're done, you start to think about them and it just collapses. Like mm-hmm. it's a pot, you know, it's a house of cards yeah. to some extent. Um, and I'm a fan of Star Wars. I enjoy, I've enjoyed, to some extent, all of them. I mean, I don't think – rewatching them all, I will say The Phantom Menace is not a very good movie. However, I do feel that almost every Star Wars movie has a few great moments. Like, yes. some, hey, like I can sit and watch that scene where Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi fight Darth Maul and with the Duel of the Fates. And that's an excellent Star Wars scene. That is yes. in the like canon of great Star Wars scenes, in my opinion. I mean, th- the last – third of attack of the clones a lot of that movie's dicey too but Mm -hmm. there are whole chunks of that movie that are very good for what they are Mm -hmm. honestly most of revenge of the revenge of the sith is one of the better star wars movies yes there's some problems with it but go back and watch it it's in it's in the top tier it may be in the top three to be perfectly honest with Mm -hmm. you when you look at what he was like some of the emotions that are are being trying to be achieved and some of the the uh the artistry, he, he stumbles a lot, but he's tr- trying to put stuff out there that's interesting. 
I agree. I the, I like Star Wars enough, but the last thing I really expected, this even happened to me in Solo, and I was not a fan of Solo. I ultimately think that Rise of Skywalker is a, a bit of a better movie than Solo, but you're right. I, the last thing I want to do in a Star Wars movie is is look at my watch. Yeah. Because I want to see where we are and, and why is this still going on. Yeah. And my, my kids who watched all of them, one through uh, one through eight with me, watched and and also that include you know rogue one was in there and right. we didn't have time to get to solo but we watched all of them and then to watch all of those and then they were getting bored too i mean my mm-hmm. five-year-old daughter walks out and says dad i think i like star trek better yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that but so let me to, to be, be specific you had said that when you had said that to me, you said kind of reminds me of how I felt about Endgame, and, and I do think we had talked that on on the podcast on, on your podcast yeah. uh, back in the summer, and I think I was a little bit stronger on Endgame than you were. I, to be fair, I haven't gone back and watched it a second time. I've seen it exactly once, mm-hmm. but I actually thought I think in some ways this movie does not compare favorably to Endgame because Endgame. Yes, I know that we all had little things where we were like, I, I would have liked this character had more screen time, or I think this should have been done. But we were nitpicking small fan base things, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, dramatically, the movie did about as good as it possibly could do, I think, in trying to not wrap up one movie, but an entire franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That will eventually there'll be more of. And some of those points, moments were very satisfying. I, there were things I did love about Skywalker, but I didn't find it satisfying as a movie as a movie as a whole at all. Like it was entertaining kind of as a ride, Mm -hmm. but every, it would start and stop. It just whiffed us through the galaxy. That bit where they do the light speed skipping. Oh yeah. And this is a point. Let me say guys, we're just going to go spoiler. Spoiler. If you want this, uh, I think this movie is a hot mess. That's enjoyable. But unfortunately for me, a lot of how it was enjoyable, there were moments that I, there were small fragments that I thought, Oh, this is where I want to see this this storyline go the pieces for this storyline are sitting right in front of you it's that classic thing i've said nothing makes me more irritated than when i see a movie show me how good it could have been and then decides not to be right not to be that good uh, when you see that all the pieces are in front of you so there were moments that i thought were heartwarming and poignant and great pieces that belong in this series and then i was enjoying some of this movie at the level of a bad b movie right like what the original right. new hope could have ended up being like a bad Buck Rogers sort of uh, like spinoff kind of movie. And what I mean by that is everything in this movie happens seemingly at random, even with characters you know and you've seen before. Some of what's happening here – I, Johnny made the statement it was almost like watching a video game Yeah, because plot points are delivered by almost every new character and some characters that aren't new behave like – NPCs in this game, in this yeah. movie. Yeah. They come in, they have lines that, that move the plot along, maybe, and they don't have any personality really given to them. There, when Lando Calrissian comes into this movie, he's at the level of an NPC. Like he, Billy D. Williams, I didn't realize Billy D. Williams is 82. So, you know, I'm not expecting to see him running across the field doing all kinds of great crazy things i wanted to see him crush a colt 45 when he came blasting into the galaxy <laughs> with that conscript that conscript army of random ballers and hillbillies <laughs> that he got from who knows where in an hour and a half but like uh. like that but he was it wasn't billy d williams that was the issue mm-hmm. um 
But I mean, funny because Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, is in The Mandalorian, right. <laughs> and they give him more interesting things to do. He yeah. gets to be engaged with the story, and Lando kind of doesn't. And it's did it feel weird? Like just to take his character for example, this I've heard rumors and hints that the this is not the cut that J.J. Abrams wanted. Well, that's all well and good, J.J., now that people are complaining about it, but you're right. taking the credit if they loved it. I mean, you were the guy that decided to hold, you know, you had the opportunity to make a movie with Luke Skywalker, but you didn't. Right. <laughs> you made a movie with Luke Skywalker's back for right. 30 seconds. So a lot of this is on you. You you didn't, you know, and, and but some of these choices, if you look at Lando, where what is Lando's story exactly? Yeah. Uh, because they keep that D- Billy D. Williams again. The, I, I say the Colt forty five thing is kind of joking, but he's still got that like swaggering sort of like you know he's a player, right? Right. Like, still he's eighty. This dude's eighty two years old, but he's still. I mean, there's a point in, a point in the movie where he tells like, does he tell Ray or somebody? Tell the queen she's as lovely as ever. Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. He sends some. He basically is creepily hitting on his dead buddies, recently dead buddies, ex-wife, but he's not even doing it. He's telling someone else to go do it. Right. <laughs> and I think that was weird. But I mean, that's, that's just kind of, okay, that's Lando, right? But there's a moment at the end. Um, Finn ends up on a, one of the moons near Endor, I assume. It's wherever mm-hmm. the Death Star has fallen, right? Yeah. And he discovers on that planet, conveniently enough, that there's a whole bunch of stormtrooper kids that have all defected like him and they're on this planet basically reenacting like the black Panthers or right? right. it's like, it's like mini Wakanda there. Like, uh, and I, I say that because it's like, okay, what was the big, what was the most influential fantasy movie that came out between last Jedi and rise of Skywalker? It's black Panther. Let's jam that in there somewhere. So, but the character that he meets that Finn meets the female, uh, who, uh, she's the archer is her name, Jana. I think uh, uh, yeah, it's that hard to keep right. track of the names in this movie more than any of the others because they do so little in developing the characters. Do you remember there's a scene at the very end of the movie where, of course, surprise, surprise, everyone succeeds. But there's that scene when they're having the celebration or whatever and Lando sits down and he's asking her who she is. And yeah. she's like, I, I don't really know. And he, he, she goes, I, I, I don't know where I'm from. And he goes, well, why don't we find out? Yeah. And the way – what did you think was happening in that scene? Yeah, see, <laughs> what I really want to do is I want to be like, oh, he was being a kind fatherly figure saying, hey, I'm going to help you find your family. But like the way the scene came off, he was being like a creepy old man. He was like saying like, <laughs> we'll do, yeah, I will show you the galaxy, girl. Well, and especially so- with like Solo where he had that creepy thing with the robot. It's like, hey. yeah, And I mean, it, it, it's Billy D. And he's Billy D as uh, is Lando Calrissian, so you expect a little bit. But he's so so. And again, full spoilers. And now I'm spoiling stuff that technically wasn't even in the movie. What I look at that scene, I'm like this, and I didn't want it to happen. I was rolling my eyes, but I'm like, that's his daughter. Like right. that's his daughter. Right. He's got he's got a daughter that was kidnapped, and because we thought that was going to be the storyline with Finn, Finn right? Right. Like, yeah. Finn's going to be Lando's son. He was kidnapped. And the novelization of Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, actually explicitly points out that she is his daughter. Mm -hmm. But if you know that, if that amount of stuff gets cut out, why would you leave that scene? Star Wars has enough, you know, 
incestual vibes as it is. <laughs> we don't need a scene where Lando's in, intended daughter, he seems like he's macking on her. Right. That's, that's what that scene felt like. Yeah. I mentioned that scene to say there's a lot of that stuff in the movie. Yeah. There's a yeah. lot of stuff that goes nowhere. What about Finn saying two or three times, Ray, I have something I want to tell you. Right, me. right. And then never saying anything. <laughs> and so what do you what do you think that is? Because again, this is like this is where I use the Mandalorian as a case where they're giving you this universe and its basic paintings, and then we're 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 throwing a few hints of here's what the Mandalorians were and they are, and they're letting you make up the rest. I feel like Abrams and other people and the writers of these movies, the new ones, are exploiting the Star Wars fan base's desire to live in these universe. They're like, all oh, these fans will make up anything we miss. No mm. big deal. And that's very different than creating a world that's open-ended so you can build it and populate it. When right. you don't tell me the basic motivations of characters, when all they have to do is go from point A to point B to get the thingy do dad to do the – did you not feel at some point like you're watching a Transformers movie, honestly, oh, like yeah. with this movie? <laughs> like – and I've never really felt that way in a Star Wars movie before. I felt like I was watching a movie akin to a Transformers movie or something where stuff is simply happening and I don't really know why it's happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's – so again, full, full-blown full spoilers. We've been saying it all along. going to say it again. That's why I really wish they had done more to explain to, – to, um, to develop – uh, Kylo Ren and, and Rey's character, their relationship, what's going on the- there only real story arc that was still remaining in right. the, like unresolved from the last movie is where will Kylo Ren and Ray end up in terms of uh, their allegiance. And, and honestly, to be fair, I guess there was some tension they were playing with a little bit in the last Jedi, but I wasn't getting a strong romantic vibe no. in, the, in the last Jedi. Yeah, no, and, not really. And even in this movie, there was definitely tension between them, but when they starts to move towards that, I was a little like, I was like, Ugh, really? Mm-hmm. Like, like we go as far as to have a kiss. I was like, is it like, no, I, you haven't really earned that. You've killed millions of people. I mean, you know, like, like, I don't know, like this idea of this romantic angle, it just, everything felt very rushed and not earned. Right. No, nothing. Everybody wanted these things, but nobody wanted to work to have them. Right, and and that's where I felt like things really became um, strongly disappointing because I felt like you could have done it. You could have built up this relationship over these three movies. You well, it's, could it's, have it's there. delivered. It seems right, and everything in the Last Jedi. I thought like the, I thought the scene where they fought together in the throne room in the Last Jedi was was a great Star Wars scene and I enjoyed right. it better than anything in this movie although I did enjoy their lightsaber battle on top of that like the sinking death star yes. out in the waves that was fantastic yeah. not I mean it was fantastic it was not in the top echelon of Star Wars fight scenes but it was strong yeah and it um and even its resolution now I'm still a little unclear about what Leia exactly does there Oh. Because, like you're like, but I, I again, what what seemingly happens is she suddenly decides that she's going to die, right? Right. Like, and I understand we don't have a lot of scenes of of Carrie Fisher to work with, but I really didn't enjoy having Maz turn towards the camera and just tell us this like I was watching like, like Star Wars the illustrated comic book, you know, or something yeah, like yeah. you know. She's like, and now the princess is going to do this, and I'm like, what is this? Like, am I playing a video game? Right. Like, 
you know, she expl- why would she look into why would she turn around and say that to some random why would she even know that? Like Right. Uh, so what is it that Leia is doing in this moment? Is, is she is she physically saving Kylo Ren's life or is she doing using the remaining power of the Force to to try and eradicate the pull that the dark side has over him? It it seems like she's trying to she's trying to do what Luke did. She's trying to use the Force and project herself to him. You know, not physically because she clearly hasn't developed that power and ability, but like she's trying to connect with him um, in these final moments to save him. Um, you know, and but again, you, the, go ahead. I'm throwing this out there because I had just watched the prequels and Johnny makes a good point. And, it, you know, Vader, I've always complained, you know me, I always like to joke about the part where Vader's like, you want me to kill children? Yes, sir, right away. Right. <laughs> let me let me slash up those younglings. Right. Um, but the way that that's played in the movie, and it's implied all throughout Star Wars, even you can even get a feel for it by just watching episodes four, five, and six, is that in some ways the Emperor seems to be enough with the Force that he's almost possessing mm. uh Possessing Anakin to a degree. Yeah. Like Anakin is there, but there's something else inside. And it seems like the Sith aren't just channeling the force, but they're, they're like, you know, and it's very parasitic. Uh, This movie kind of, and that's another disappointment. They kind of reference that. Like he makes some statement about all the Sith living inside of him. Right. And then we get that with the Jedi, but I don't really like the idea that they're just complete mirror versions of each other. But I had this weird feeling that whatever Carrie Fisher, whatever Leia is doing is not unlike what Palpatine did in reverse to Anakin, mm. where he sort of possesses him or provides him with enough of the dark side that he does something that his nature in that very moment is not inclined to do. Mm. Uh, one of the reasons that seems to be supported is she, her body doesn't vanish until he vanishes. Mm. Yeah. So when yeah. Kylo Ren dies and disappears, so does Leia. And I thought that was actually kind of genuinely interesting. Is she? Uh, you know, we kind of think think we think of the possession and the and the the really extreme force influence. You know, Luke and Yoda and the others, all they tried to do was to do it through teaching. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's kind of clear to me that the vision of Han Solo is completely manufactured by Carrie Fisher. By I say Carrie Fisher, <laughs> it's manufactured by Leia. Because, you know, the last line is, I already know. Yeah. You know, you know, say, I love you, which, again, maybe that's sloppy. J.J. Abrams just saying, remember when he said this in the Empire? But now the, the, so you've got Kylo, everything in that scene mostly is a replay, obviously, of, of the relate, of the, the scene as it happened between Han and, right. And uh, Kylo Red. The rest of it, Seems like it is Leia trying to get through to her son and providing an extra bit of of the light side of the Force to 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 cast off whatever else was going on, the Emperor's influence. Yeah. But I wanted more of that, and I think maybe that's what you're saying too. I wanted more of that kind of dynamic yeah. uh, explored in the movie, and it was done. Instead, we had whole plot lines involving like 
a Poe and some Power Ranger. I don't right. know what was going on there. Um, well, and to me, some of, I mean, again, I said I was bored. And to me, some of the most boring stuff in this movie, honestly, was the, the action. Yeah, it was the aerial battles that were going on toward the end of the movie where it's like, Oh, I'm now reliving Return of the Jedi where they're all, you know, fighting these things and hey, they're going to board and blow it up and yay. I, and I just no suspense anymore because it doesn't make sense. Right. Like and the stakes are so high and the 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 scope is so ridiculous. Yeah. And to me, I would have I would have rather seen them replace those scenes and focus more on developing the story. I actually um, it wasn't surprising, but I found it interesting the way they went with Ray's background story. And oh, you know, again, spoiler, you know, she's the Emperor's daughter. And but why? See again, why? I I agree. Why do it? But they did it, and so go like, give me a little bit here. You know, I mean, it's well, not her daughter, her grand, his granddaughter, and it's his like granddaughter. Like to me, that would that would make for an interesting. Uh, story if they had if they had been working to develop some of that stuff and hey who is her father who is her mother that um you know th- you know why why was he not trying to go after his son why is he trying to go after his granddaughter like to me some of that stuff would have been uh more interesting to have seen in this movie and again you you say why and I agree I think I think the whole palpatine thing um I think him trying to undo some of the things that happened in the last Jedi really was part of his undoing, no pun intended. Um, and I would have been more interested to have seen him, uh, kind of follow, Oh, she's really a nobody, but why, you know, why was she left behind and all of that stuff? Um, well, you the didn't... movie you just described you wanted to see was the sequel to the last Jedi, right? You know, the big battles of everybody's been reduced to the point where, they can't fight these giant aerial battles anymore. So now right. it's got to be very character focused. And it isn't about a big bad anymore. It's about how are these two characters going to influence each other. But that right. would have taken a lot of imagination. That would have taken a lot of creativity. That would have taken some actual guts. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't mean to sound so like rough about it, but like Star Wars, I mean, we joke about this and everyone's like, oh, Star Wars are movies for kids. But I mean, there was a time when these movies mean. New Hope and Empire. I mean, there are time when these movies would be nominated for Academy Awards right. outside of the area of best special effects and sound effects. I mean, right. there there was a point in time when people were wondering, hey, could the Abrams before people saw it, The Force Awakens, could it be nominated for an Oscar? You know, it wasn't that long ago, but no, on no planet anywhere would you think that the rise of Skywalker was a, a serious contender of anything. Yeah, yeah. It's to me the most sloppy of all the Star Wars movies. It's the most disappointing, I think, in terms of pure storytelling Mm -hmm. uh, because it's barely telling a story. There are things I loved, but they're so few and far between, and it just – it never slows down. The Palpatine stuff, though, I, you, they could have found a way to make it interesting, but the point is they don't. But if you're going to do something like bring him back, you really have to – earn it i think i mean yeah. i think you have to you have to give us something you have how old is this guy now and he fell into a reactor right and he's still alive i assume the cloning was involved but i mean that's well the, i mean you didn't get a good result but it didn't even seem to to indicate that he was being cloned it looked like there were clones of snoke like it didn't look like we were seeing clones which also of him doesn't anywhere. actually make sense if you think about it like, yeah 
you're going to make clones of this guy, and why does he look all warped and weird? Why wouldn't you make a perfectly fine-looking guy? Like, why would you do any of this? Like, but I think one of the things I just really disliked was this idea that everything is – like, the last half hour of this movie felt like I was watching a Star Wars role-playing game DM'd by a 12-year-old kid. <laughs> And what I, you know, what maybe I mean, you were, when, maybe you were. <laughs> well, you think, think about, but you know, like the twelve-year-old kid, what does he do? There's a, there's a seventy-headed hydra. Right. And that's okay because I have my, my glaive of fifty blades or what you know. And it's like everything. It's like what could we possibly do? Let's have seven hundred battleships appear up out of the ice and all seven I don't know how many I don't know how many ships there are I'm saying 700 but the right. entire sky is littered with these things if they all if they don't all move in the same direction at the same time it's going to be a cluster cuss of right. of you know like it's going to be a horrible mess yeah but every ship now has the ability to destroy a planet right right it's like there's a fleet that no one could have ever built who built it with yeah. these creepy little whispery people, like what was that? He has an entire church, a coliseum, yeah. something filled with shadowy people that we have no clue. I mean, I were those the spirits of the Sith? I don't think they were. Were they his acolytes? What were those people? Yeah, no, and I, and I and again, I think you're right. I think this is where they just like, hey, we're going to throw a whole bunch of stuff in here, and we're going to see what sticks and. And in an hour and a half, Chewie and Han can bring the entire galaxy, like along with right. them. Again, like I said, it's like a not—it's a conscript army. It's not even a—you know—it's just what does he say? It's just people, right? <laughs> it's like what? What did you guys do? Like Leia, who had all this stuff organized and had the force on her side, she couldn't do this, right? But then it doesn't. But it's like oh, seven hundred battleships and they all destroy a star. But don't worry because they just brought half the galaxy in beaters to fight you. <laughs> But that doesn't matter because Palpatine can shoot it all out of the sky with his lightning fingers. <laughs> but that doesn't matter because Kylo Ren is in love. Like what? Who who doesn't really do anything? Who doesn't really have – Kylo Ren doesn't actually have a, re, a major redemptive moment in the in the overthrowing of Palpatine except that he heals Ray. Right, right. Like he doesn't have a true redemption arc. He gets kicked down a hole. It, 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 yeah. It just was terribly disappointing to yeah. me. It, it, in the moment, it was fun, I guess. And I, I guess I just to say what I want to see from these things is I want stories uh, being told. And I guess that's the big thing I'm, I'm like about now. I don't mind just sitting back and enjoying a movie for the entertainment that it is. But when you're going to put this much money into something, I think, why not write a better story? Yeah. And I think the pieces were there, but they didn't they – didn't, they weren't trusting – those pieces yeah well and i'm hoping now that actually what disney will do is they'll i'm hoping they're going to chill on the movies and they're going to focus on bringing good content on the streaming service i mean because they've shown us you know people are all oh it's disney's fault it's disney's fault but disney's shown us that they can actually do some good stuff um and it's just it was too many hands there's too much you know, if I not that we blame anyone, but you know, I think I think fans. What's the big difference between four, five, and six? And then, then when Lucas comes back and does his does his series, it's still very much him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was clear he was not condescending to the fans. But this relationship between movies and content and the fans of that content has mm-hmm. gotten kind of it's become very strange. Like we live in a world where we're 
obviously here we are talking about people who listen to people talk about their their feelings about a TV show, you know, like right. we're expecting someone to listen to an hour and 14 minutes of us talk about this. But that was not really the case in the past. You yeah. know? So the relationship, how much should someone be listening to their fans when they make something? And I'm not certain that there is any responsibility on a behalf of a creator to listen to the fans at all as long as they're true to the to the, co- the content that's being created. I think what's killed this series is people being – is someone always having their ear to the message boards, always having their ear to Reddit, to their mm-hmm. ear. You know, at, at first it was cool that J.J. Abrams was coming on Reddit to talk about Star Wars with people. But I think that this ultimately derailed this series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think – you can say what you will about Lucas. He was telling – he told the story he wanted and he, he stuck to telling that story regardless of what any he – he might have dialed back on the Jar Jar. That's possible that he did do that. But I mean for the most part, he can, it seemingly – he continued to do what he had planned to do. Right. And um, there's no clear hand or direction under this. So I, I'm content to watch the TV series, I think, at this point and see what they do there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, this being the last Skywalker-related movie, um, yeah, I wanted it to be better. I wanted to have a, a real sense of, of, of adventure and epicness to it. And instead, I kind of walked out being like, well, you know, it was, it was better than Wing Commander. <laughs> <sighs> wow freddie prince jr uh, man freddie prince that jr was, that was rough but <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you though if you take away all the things that we like you you take away you replace you take this same plot and make it an unknown movie uh, like a sci-fi movie that no one's ever heard of before and they would have hated it they would it would have been yeah. you know it would have been on that level it would have been on this level of like this is so sloppy and it's just unacceptable when you have that level of material you're working with. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think again, like, you know, looking through, I, I think that's the disappointment with some of these, with uh, some of these movies that we're seeing is, you know, again, they, Star Wars can put out a really good series. I mean, even before the Mandalorian, we talked about Clone Wars, Rebels. Those are really well done series. Um, video games that came out, uh, the the Force um, Force Unleashed and the Force Unleashed Two, those were very well done video games that had stories that were developed within them. Uh, I just played um, the the most recent Star Wars game, um, Fallen Jedi, and and uh, or Fallen Order, and th- there's a plot that's running through this story that's keeping me playing this game and keeping me interested. Is it good to you? It's enjoyable? It is. I, I really, I enjoy, I enjoyed it. Um, I mean, basic, basic premise, Cal, the main protagonist, uh, was a Jedi and, um, he was, uh, he's, he's basically a remnant from after the purge when the, the clones turned on the Jedi and so he's in hiding and he's cut himself off from the force so he can't be disco- discovered. Uh, some events come up. He's got he's to try to reconnect with the force. And so you spend the storyline reconnecting with your abilities and powers. Um, and and it's, a, it's an interesting story that takes place in uh, basically I think it's about 15 years after um, the events of the uh, Revenge of the Sith. 
And so you're playing through this storyline and, and it is fascinating. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't just enjoy the action and the playing and the adventure of it. I enjoyed watching this story and seeing a different uh, part of this Star Wars line come out in this storyline come out. Um, so it was, it was very enjoyable. Um, I will say I, I started playing it uh, like I do most of my games on a harder setting and it was taking me too long to play through because, you know, of course, everything's more difficult. And so I ended up just, uh, you know, once I had put so many hours into it, I was like, I want to finish this game because you actually gave me another game for my birthday that I, I wanted to get into and play. And so um, I ended up turning it down easy and just enjoying the story. I wasn't like, you know, trying to did go. Did you play all the way through it? I did. Yes. Yep. I completed it. And it was a very satisfying ending. Um, you know, it was a very satisfying ending there. There weren't moments that I was, uh, bored, you know, it, it's not like, you know, rise of Skywalker. Um, every, every part that I played through, I was enjoying watching this unfold and what was going on. And, you know, I mean, of course it's a video game and so they're going to bring you to places and do things that are interrupting the flow of the story. But, but it's still very well done, and, and I liked it. Um, and, and again, I liked the story that was developed in it. They did a great job casting these characters and telling a compelling story um, through this medium of gaming. So I, it's one that I would definitely recommend. Well, let's, let's talk about uh, gaming for a little bit because we've – you and I always seem to be able to talk about Star Wars for <laughs> forever, so we've already we've gone a, a bit uh, talking about that. Um, but you know, and, and thanks for talking about it. I agree. Um, you know, ultimately, and I, I obviously sounded very uh, kind of disappointed by Rise of Sky Skywalker, but at the end of the day, I still did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the thing. I'm enjoying this, and I'm just asking. You know, I feel like just that little bit more. Uh, and, and a little bit more effort, just a little bit more fine tuning, a little bit more work, you can really get something special. And I think that's, you know, that's what we want to see with some of these franchises that we love. I don't want you just to make something to make it. Right. I, I want to be able to feel like special about it. So I, I think the video game thing is interesting because we are seeing video games uh, attempting to tell stories and understanding that they can't tell stories the same way as movies. And uh, it's the same way with long-form television. We're watching these other mediums, and I am accepting that they truly are different mediums. I think sometimes movies fail when they try to be like video games, when they try to be like long-form television series, and they just aren't meant to do that. Right. And yeah. But so in the, the, the frame of video games, let's talk about, because we're moving into 2020 now, and let's look at – 2019, you and I might have a similar thing. I know I definitely have a thing where, like, I could sit here and give you a list of, like, the my favorite and new games I played this year, and most of them wouldn't have been released in 2019. Right, right. <laughs> because I tend to be a guy who waits, and I, I usually buy them, like, when the PlayStation 4 has a sale or something like that. And partially, partly because... There were a couple that came out this year that really appealed to me, and some of the move, some of the stuff that was coming out in 2019 finally was kind of hitting. Uh, you know, it had been out for a few months by the by the time we got to the end of the year, and so when the PlayStation has its big end of the year sale uh, on the store, I was being able to pick up some of these new titles, and also my son got a Nintendo Switch, and so he wanted a couple of new games, and we got him some of those. So I have, I've had a chance probably to play some of the more like uh, the, 
more known titles within a year than I normally would have before the year ended. Yeah. Um, but Nate, how about you? Did you play anything this year outside of the, um, is it Fallen Order is the new Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. So it was Star Wars Fallen Order. Um, the other one that I played was the one that you picked up for me, um, Monster Hunter World or Monster World Hunter. Um, Monster Hunter World, yep. Yep. Um, and, and really enjoying that one. I'm digging on it. Um, last year you had got me Skyrim and I got into that and really had enjoyed the, the expansiveness of the world. I, I, I didn't never completed the game. I mean, it's still one that I want to go back to and keep playing through because I have enjoyed the adventuring and the questing that that brings. But you made a comment when you, um, when you gave me the game and you said you enjoyed this one better because, uh, the combat felt better. You didn't feel like you were just going around, you know, um, you brought up that you were a fighter. I was, I was a, um, I was a magician or a mage. And so, you know, basically all I'm doing is hitting the two buttons and like blowing my fire and ice hands around, killing things like walking around like, um, and so the combat, I, I agree with you, I felt was lacking and it didn't really, in some ways it almost got in the way of, uh, of that game, in my opinion, to some yeah, extent. Yeah, now I've got to fight this thing. How am I going to possibly do this? Yeah, exactly. Or, or exactly. here, fight the thing and you're just like, it becomes like, uh, it reminds me almost of the Dragon Warrior game for NES back in the day where you would be like, you've, you've reached a slime. Right. And you just hit the X button and, you know, you see a slash go through the slime and it hits 56 and the slime's dead. Yes. Yes. You know, the level of, of the, the combat in Skyrim, like at some point you reach that sort of fatigue where you're like, I'm not really able to interact with this the way I want to. You know, you almost like it wouldn't – would it really matter if it was like that standard RPG where – Good guys on the left, bad guys on the right. Right. And then, you know, everyone everyone comes out and punches their little fists. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I can totally see. But um, in, in this game, Monster Hunter World, um, you do get that ability to actually um, – put put some style and flair into the combat that you're that you're going after and and you have that same level of adventuring and you have that same level of developing your character um but but like you said that the combat is much more interesting and much more interactive and I have been enjoying it on that level um so I was actually uh, just before we were on the podcast um I had gotten home a little bit early today because here in Maryland we were getting some uh, some bad weather, and so schools got out a little early. So I got to come home and put a couple hours in on the game. And uh, you know, you had texted me, and you were like, "Hey, uh, you ready to podcast?" And I was all <laughs> tempted to be like, "I'm still playing." <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, because I have been just enjoying that one. Um, there were a couple others that came out this year that I wanted to get in on, but I didn't have the time or the money. Um, of course, um, Modern Warfare, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare came out, and I, I, I wanted to – I played that one either. Yeah, that was one that I really wanted to get in on. I enjoy the Modern Warfare uh, – the Call of Duty series, so I wanted to get on in that one. There was another one called – I believe it was Control where um, you could – jump back and forth between this kind of paranormal world and the real world and you had this That's supposed to be an excellent game i have not played it yet oh okay so yeah i you know i was actually this year probably more than ever i was behind on 
games and games that I wanted to pick up and play, but Control was one that I wanted to get in on. Um, other than that, mainly what I've been playing and doing has uh, revolved around if I see uh, a game on PlayStation Plus, I'll download it for a few hours, play through that because it's free, and then um, kind of move on to the next one. But um, I- I'm curious, Nathan, because you actually had a chance to to get in, like you said, and play some games, which you don't normally get to do. What have you been um, digging in on over the past couple weeks here? So, and again, some of these were games that came out in previous years, so I won't really talk too much about this because I have a, I think I have a two or three here I really want to talk about that are fun games. And uh, there was a game that came out this year called the Outer uh, the Outer Worlds. Are you familiar? Have you heard about it? it? Yeah, it does sound familiar. Yeah, so, so it's a bigger game. That's not the game I'm about to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I but I I mention it because. I stumbled upon this game by accident. Look, the Outer Worlds looks like it has almost that kind of Serenity sort of or Destiny feel. Then it looks like a Destiny crossed almost uh, with No Man's Sky, which is a game I really, really loved. And uh, No Man's Sky, I remember that we were re- – I was really excited for it. You remember we were talking about it in yep. 2016 before it came out, and then it came out. And then I think there were so many bugs and stuff with the initial release that it seemed like it was a big disappointment. But they came back. They worked on it. And it really you know, kind of took off, and I really enjoy that game a lot. It has that, uh, you know, the kind of Minecraft sandbox feel, but you really get the really cool feel of a of a sci-fi adventure where you're you get to fly to different planets and you get to colonize these planets, and you go back and you can do it all over again. Nice. Uh, and the Outer Worlds looked like it was playing with that a little bit, but I discovered a game, and I was like, oh wow, this is much. You know, it was on sale at the time. It's like, this is like $14. I thought this game was like $50. And so I buy a game called The Outer Wilds, which is <laughs> not which is not Outer Worlds, but might. Uh, I haven't played Outer Worlds, so I can't speak of it. But this might actually be a better game. Uh, it's, it's certainly it's a more unique game. This is an indie game. Uh, it is you are uh, on an alien planet. You are an alien on a planet. This planet, though, is uh, in a scenario where you are kind of camping, right? It, it, it's got a little bit of a goofy, like almost Jetsons-esque feel. Like this is not a super serious sci-fi world, except that you are on this planet on a camping trip and you find out that the sun is about to go supernova. <laughs> and you have 22, you have 22 minutes before the end of the world. And is it like 22 minutes. Is it Go like ahead. a game 22 minutes or is it like you have a real 22 minutes in real time? You have a real you have a real 22 minutes because the sun will go supernova and it will destroy you and you do it all again. Wow. It's groundhog day. Or more <laughs> more appropriately it is uh what was the what was the movie source code? Oh uh, yes, yes. Will- for these 22 minutes you get to explore this world but in 22 minutes it will always end and you'll play through again but it'll be different the next time and you build upon what you learn from this experience and it sounds and there's puzzles and stuff to do there but as you keep going back every 22 minutes it is different there it, things change and you take kind of what you figured out and you go back and you do this so it's not like it gets stale it doesn't it's not this frustration you know because yes. you know in 20 minutes it's what can i do what can i find out what new can i explore 
before the clock resets. Yeah. And so it's not like old school Nintendo where I'm you know playing Ninja Gaiden and I finally die and lose my three lives and I have to start back and play level one again. It's not that. It's something much more imaginative and much more creative. You The, the game itself, it's not like there's a lot of violence or really crazy stuff going on or it's not even particularly intense because – after a bit, you know, hey, it's all going to end. You want to be able to stop it, but you, you know, you're not, you know, at least in the first iteration. So I'm not going to be able to figure this, you know. Yeah. So where the game, I don't want to say much more about it, but where it goes is genuinely intriguing, and it has a gentle sort of exploratory puzzle feel to it. So I think you have to like that kind of a game, but I guarantee you've probably never seen a game like this. At least I have not. Mm-hmm. And to me, it was probably one of my favorite games I played this year. It's relatively new. It's called Outer Wilds. Uh, it, it, it's a, a game that like you would want to give a kid who had a little bit more patience with it, but it is a game that can be appropriate for kids. It's a problem with a lot of the big science fiction games is they all focus on the violence, you know, right. like, largely. Like it's hard to find a game that is – gentle enough uh now this would require kids to really kind of you know you need someone who's a little thoughtful who enjoys puzzles and enjoys that kind of thing because it's not an easy game uh and it threw me off a little bit i'm like 22 minutes what right right <laughs> and, uh, but there's a lot of stuff i haven't really ruined anything there's a lot to explore and a lot to find in there and it's an indie game so i i think even at its max like uh, price, it's like twenty nine bucks or something. Nice. And a lot of time, when sales come in, I think I picked it up for something like fifteen or or fourteen. So, um, it's a really good game. I really can't like um, recommend it enough, particularly if you enjoy indie like sci fi games. There's another game I've just recently played. It's also in the indie and I indie kind of sphere of things, and I think it's still on sale right now for nineteen twenty bucks. It's called um, Slay the Spire. Are you familiar with this? No, no, that one doesn't sound familiar at all. Friend, a friend of mine um, in the past years, uh, past year or so, and I know uh, we've talked about it, and you've even picked some stuff up. We haven't really, we've never found the time to do it. But you know, past year or so, I've had some friends who kind of got back into Magic: The Gathering and kind yep. of got me back into it a little bit, which is a you know uh, a collectible card game, and you, it, it also has elements of a kind of like role playing feel to it, and. In uh, this past year, too, Magic the Gathering opened up an online uh, website called Arena that's free, and you can go in there and basically uh, get digital copies of the cards and play them against each other. So that's, that's a lot of fun to do. But to Slay the Spire is really like a roguelike game, meaning it's got that feeling of uh, almost like an RPG, or uh, this one particularly is you oh, you're battling through a a tower to the top of the tower, you slay the spire at the very top of the tower, and then you move to the next tower. So each one has waves of, of creatures that come at you and you're fighting them. And I, you know, I talked about that role playing thing where you see your character on the left and the creatures on the right. Right. As that kind of look, but then it is a collectible card game at the same time. Hmm. Uh, you get cards and depending on what you get, you build your deck and you have three characters. There's one character, that's playable at the very beginning. Once you play through with that character, the other two eventually become playable. And then you get to kind of decide, do you want this character who's, either they've got one or two little um, techniques that kind of help you develop your strategy. And then you can build your deck that you will use to battle through the tower. Hmm. And uh, it's a really fun combination. I know you've played Yu-Gi-Oh! and things like that, so I think you would really enjoy it. It's very simple to learn and pick up. And it's a lot of fun to play. And I haven't had any success except, you know, arena where it's literally just 
you go on and you play other people at Magic and it's online, like that's a pretty easy uh, thing to bring in. But it's hard right. to make that into a game that a single player can kind of play and it be an actual game. Yeah. And this is a game with a story and a structure, and it the card element really works with it. Nice. I'm like having a great time playing it. So I think you would enjoy that one too. And it's a, like say you can get it for 20 bucks. I think on PlayStation right now. And it's also on switch and some of the other console systems. I finally got to play, um, a Pokemon game. I mean, I'm not a Pokemon fan, but my son is, and we got, um, Pokemon sword and shield for him for Christmas. And I gotta say, I'm really impressed with how that game is and how it plays. And I never played a Pokemon game before, mm-hmm. but this one is a lot of fun. And, uh, I don't know about the, previous games but this one allows you to kind of roam out in the wild where the pokemon are just sort of roaming around and so you have that element where you're in these stadiums and arenas fighting with them but um there's a lot going on with it it's a really nicely done it's a beautiful game uh we have he's got one super mario maker 2 where you uh this game probably would almost be a complete game with just the Mario levels that they provide you. Done in the style of Super Mario Brothers and Super Mario Brothers 3 and Super Mario World. Mm-hmm. And uh, But then this one allows you to actually build your own Create level. Create your own level. Yeah, I've seen I've yeah. seen some of that online. That's pretty cool. And it's super neat. And then you can take those and upload them and then you can play other people's levels. And so, But even just the pre-made content, the levels that they provide for you – is an old school Mario Brothers fan, you can almost get your money's worth right there, but they've got all this other stuff, and my son loves the kind of creative elements to it. So those are some of the newer ones that we played. You mentioned Monster Hunter, and I got it last year, and I hadn't played completely through it, but this year they released an expansion that it, you almost don't want to call it an expansion. It's Monster Hunter Iceborne. Yeah. It's, it's almost like an entirely new game, uh, a whole expansion of the world that only goes into play once you've completed the initial yeah. monster, uh, and then that becomes available. So th- uh, those are the those are the ones I I played that are uh, that were probably newer. I didn't get a chance to play too many of I guess what we would kind of consider the story games. You know, like yeah. I heard I heard a lot about it, uh, a, a game called Plague Story or mm. a Plague Story Innocence that was supposed to be good. Looked very dark. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to play that one yet. Uh, kind of a horror, dark history game. It looks related, of course, around the plague. And uh, there's a game called Death Stranding. Yes, that, uh, that looks the Metal very Gear guy good. Yep. That looked great. Um, and I think Norman Reedus is in it. That looks very interesting, but just didn't get a chance to try, try that one either. And um, I saw a game today. It's called, like, Oh, Look a Duck or something like that. <laughs> Where I, it's a very simple looking game, and you seem to be a duck that just goes around finding ways to honk and startle people. <laughs> like, like I, I saw a little clip where the duck comes up and it just honks, and it, it like it has walkie talkies, and it's got one sitting close to someone, and it walks up to the other one, and just honks in it so that it honks <laughs> and frightens this person. So I, I don't know. Um, you go in the, on on PlayStation, just glance through the indie games, and you'll see all kinds of crazy stuff. But nice. um, I, I'm always impressed at the level of things that are out there. And I always enjoy when I can find something that's a little bit off the beaten track. So I would say if you're someone who wants like off the beaten track, The Outer Wilds is really good. Um, if you enjoy it, it, that kind of like fantasy game and you haven't really – I've never found a coll- an online like uh, or a digital collectible card game that really had much to offer. You have played a few others and – this one uh, is the best one that I play, Slay the Spire. So. Nice, nice. Very cool, man. 
Um, that's great. Let me uh, let me ask you, uh, switching gears a little bit. So we kind of looked back, talked about um, some things that were that were in the past. Uh, what are what are some things you're you're looking forward to? We got a few minutes here, so want to talk about you know, um, give me uh, give me your top couple movies, top couple games that you're looking forward to coming out. I would I would say at the top of the list, and again, you know, I'm gonna kind of keep it on the genre level of things because you know that's right where where uh, Fan Galaxy is, and we otherwise we could just go on forever. Yeah, but uh, you know, probably uh, particularly when you get to sci-fi. And in fantasy, the thing I'm looking forward to most, I know there's other things coming out, but I am really excited for um, uh, Denis Villeneuve's Dune, oh. his version of Dune, which is coming at Christmas time next mm-hmm. year. Uh, and I don't know, if have you ever read Dune, um, Frank Herbert's Dune? I have not. I saw the original Dune uh, back in, what was it, 1984? that it came out david david lynch's dune yep. don't let that uh, don't let that influence well see <laughs> my an interesting movie but it's uh, that was my exposure to dune and i actually my my dad enjoyed that and i and so i enjoyed that and then they did i, I think it was the sci-fi channel back in the early 2000s did a remake um, which is not bad and and i enjoyed that one as well so yeah and i do enjoy the david lynch one but i think he's He's bringing so much of his own David Lynchiness to it uh-huh. that it's hard to like. It's hard to say that that was an accurate representation of Dune. I, you know, for a while there was talk that David Lynch would be the director of Return of the Jedi. I always wonder what that would have looked like. <laughs> but um, maybe it would have looked like Dune. But so you have Dune. Uh, to me, that's the really big one that I can think of. Um, I know that we've also like. I just saw. I, I'm not quite sure how it's going to work out. Like. A Quiet Place Part Two, and I don't know oh, if you saw. Oh yeah, I, yep. I, I, not that necessarily I'm really um, like excited for that, but I'm curious what they're going to do with it because it felt like a movie that really would be a one-off. You yeah, know? Like, yeah. And so I'm a little surprised that we're going to be able to get something out of that. There's a there's a couple of horror movies coming out that look very strange. There's one uh, coming out called Antebellum, which I'm still trying to figure out exactly what they you know. Yeah, still coming up. It's a very strange trailer, right? I think you and I saw it when we went to see something. I don't remember it w- what was it was. It when we it- went to see Knives Out? Yes, yes. Yeah. And I'm like, what is happening here? I'm actually kind of intrigued because I don't know. You know, I'm not quite sure what I'm looking at. Right. And uh, But you've got that. You've got um, – I'm, I'm really – I'm a little done with with comic book movies, but I will say that both Wonder Woman 1984 mm-hmm. and Black Widow both look yes. I mean, I think I think they could be something. You know, I think they they could be quite good. Yep. Um, I don't want to take home because I, I the other one I would say that I'm really intrigued by, uh, and of course he he always does this. I love that to this day, when Christopher Nolan releases a movie, you're never really sure what it is you're getting, <laughs> unless it's Batman. Right. Unless it's Batman, you're even then you're not sure what you're getting. You know, until you're sitting in the theater and this new movie Tenet that he has coming out. Like I kept hearing, this is a spy thriller. It's a spy thriller, and then the trailer drops. Have you seen the trailer? I have. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's a spy thriller. Like Inception was a spy right. thriller. I guess. <laughs> like it's not a. It's a science fiction movie, and so that mixed with. Um, Mixed with uh, the 
the fact we're getting Dune. I mean, these are these are some big sci-fi looking movies. I'm really excited about that. I think it looks great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think um those were actually uh some of the big ones that I was going to mention too, not the antebellum <laughs> one. Um but I was going to mention um Tenet, I was going to mention Wonder Woman and Black Widow. Um another one that I'm actually looking forward to coming out is that new uh Pixar one uh with the Onward. Uh is that the one with the sorcerers? Yes, yeah. It's yeah. Like, it's like the suburbs of the fantasy world yes. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that one coming out. I really, I want to see that one. It looks good. Um, and so those are, those are probably at least right now, those are probably the big ones that I want to, uh, I want to go out and see. Um, so I'll throw a couple other titles out. Um, as I'm looking, cause I'm looking through a list now. That I Wait, have you seen trailers for this movie called free guy with Ryan Reynolds? Oh yes, where he's like in a video game world. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. <laughs> so that that could have some promise too. He, he, Ryan Reynolds is only playing Deadpool, or Deadpool's only playing Ryan Reynolds. I'm not sure. Right, right. <laughs> um, th- there's uh, from the horror perspective. There's a new Candyman co- movie coming out, produced by uh, uh, by um, uh, Jordan Peele. So I'm interested in that because I, Candyman was a very creepy movie. I remember seeing it when I was a kid or not a kid, but when I was younger, mm-hmm. um, another SpongeBob movie. There's a fast and the furious nine. I could really care less about all of these. <laughs> There's a legally bond three. Like, are we really, we're <laughs> really at the point where we need these movies. We really do. There's a horror movie coming out, um, in April called antlers that I think looks pretty. Oh yes. I have seen the previous. Terry Russell's in it. And, uh, it looks very, uh, very interesting. I think we have, um, Gary Fukunaga has the new, he's the directing the new James Bond, no time to die. Mm -hmm. Uh, which comes out in April. Uh, have you seen the? Tra- I actually haven't seen the trailers. Yet. I did. Yeah, I did see the trailer for that one. I think it was when I went to see Star Wars. That was. Did it uh, look good? Um, I honestly was never a huge Bond fan. Yeah, I'm kind of a take. I've enjoyed this recent series probably more than the normal because mm-hmm. it's a little less campy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, uh, so, but I mean, it looks it looks as well done as as the recent ones have been. So what do you, so a couple things I want to talk about, then we can kind of close up Sonic the Hedgehog gets a basic redo <laughs> seemingly. Um, I don't know how much better it looks, but I will tell you that the last trailer they played in the theater, I thought I could sit through this with my kids and not like want to like stick my head under those right. seats and end it all. Yeah. Um, what did you think about, I mean, like it's, it's funny how a few tweaks takes something from looking like a, a creepy, um, abomination right. to like okay well this is your now we're at least we're somewhere around you know we're probably above chipmunks levels right so. right well and it's funny because you had mentioned you know um you know getting on and listening to the fans and to me like this is this is actually a positive case where you know the fans kind of got on and they were like no 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 no, you can't do this <laughs> nothing like i even want to see like yeah. i mean i don't even know if you have to be a fan to know that that didn't look right right <laughs> <laughs> and it's so i mean I, i'm sure they spent a lot of money to make that change but i think i think they have a better chance of making some of their money back i don't think this movie in any way is going to be 
probably good. Oh, but yeah. uh, even the Jim Carrey stuff looked bad. It just the whole trailer was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. What I saw before made you know, it was like, who is this movie for? Right. Uh, speaking of who is this movie for, have you seen trailers for Fantasy Island? No. Isn't isn't The Rock supposed to be in that though? No, no, no. You might be thinking of Jungle Cruise, which oh, looks that's like a lot right. of fun. That's a Disney movie that based off the ride, and that looks like it's going to be a really good time in the same way of like uh, – I'm getting Rocketeer and like the mummy vibes, like the Brendan Fraser mummy. Yep. Like it looks like that kind of a movie, like a big, fun, silly summer movie. Fantasy Island actually has um, Michael Pena in it, basically based off of the TV series that used to have Ricardo Montalban. And yes. you have, But it's a horror movie. <laughs> What? So it's like a Blumhouse horror. It's every, you know they go to the to the island and their fantasies come to life, but it's also kind of a horror movie. I don't necessarily know if it's a really like intense horror movie, but it looks interesting. It's hard to get like a handle on what's happening with it, and it's it's um it has me curious. What do you think about the Call of the Wild uh, coming out? Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. So I did see the trailer for that. Um, I, I I've got mixed. Uh, mixed feelings on that. Um, What's your mixed feeling? Because I probably have the same mixed feeling. There's one big thing that I don't understand about this movie. So I'm honestly now I'm trying to remember because again I saw that trailer. Um, at first I was trying to figure out what it was that I was watching, um, and so I, I'm trying to remember back. But I remember sitting there being like, uh, I. Tell, tell me what yours is, and let me see if mine is the fact that this dog is entirely CGI. So okay, that might have been it. That might so have been Call it. Call of the Wild is Harrison Ford. It's based off of the Jack London novel, right? And right. Her, it's basically Harrison Ford and this dog uh, on screen the whole time in the Yukon territory, you know. And it's a, it's a. They did a movie back in the day. I think it was in the '30s. Clark Gable was in it. I think. Yep. And. Uh, What's weird is to look – if you go look at this movie that Defoe is in, uh, Togo, yes. on uh, Disney+, Plus. yeah, there's some CGI scenes of those sled dogs racing. But it's clear that Defoe is interacting with a real dog in that movie. And I just want the, – the idea to make him all CGI seems like it's going to undercut this dog man in the wilderness with his dog. You know, it's like – Yeah, yeah. The, the authenticness hard, is, is – yes. yeah, yeah. So all the rest of that movie looks – pretty good the kind of movie i'd like to see disney making again and yet it's i don't know if it's disney or not it probably is everything's disney <laughs> and it's fun to see it's fun to see again that they'll trust a movie with an old with an older guy and his dog just going through the the wilderness i i like that but i just think you know let's have a real dog right uh, how about the invisible man i have uh, not seen trailers for that it looks interesting it's a very different take that's them trying to launch their Universal Monsters again after like the fifth time we've had what Dracula Rising or whatever yeah. like Dracula and then we had the Mummy with Tom Cruise and this is their next shot at it. Yeah. It looks like it's it's a, a bit more modern. Mulan actually, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of all these Disney remakes, but I have to say I've I've been impressed by the last couple trailers that we've had. Uh, yeah, I'm. I don't know. I, I'm going to save. Um... I'm going to save judgment until uh, till after I see it. Um, I, I'm not as enthusiastic about that one, um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, we'll see. So my reasoning is, first off, I don't like the Disney animated film. Uh, so I'm not a, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, do you like it? Are you? I do. Yeah, I, I enjoy the animated film. I um, I disliked the dragon. I thought that part was kind of like. 
very obnoxious and irritating. Uh, <laughs> is that your re- is that g- your general feeling of Eddie Murphy, or is that like no? Actually, I like it. I like Eddie Murphy. I even liked Eddie Murphy at the time this movie came out. I liked Eddie Murphy the same summer in Doctor Doolittle. I know that sounds strange. Um, and I mean, Doctor Doolittle's back in a much more right the book's yeah. accurate, seemingly accurate adaptation, yeah. which comes out soon. It's this month, I think. Uh, I'm hoping that ends up like a Paddington where we're pleasantly, pleasantly surprised, surprised by it. Yes. And yes. it's not like a Peter Rabbit. Uh, but um, <laughs> not that Peter Rabbit was terrible, but it was just one of those, oh, this is for my kids, you know, like right. Sonic the Hedgehog. I hope that maybe they did a little more with Doolittle. No, what I like about Mulan, the trailer that I've seen is – and I think even if you're a fan of the cartoon that maybe you can appreciate – the animated film that you can appreciate about this is it's not – oh, it doesn't look at all like a shot-for-shot shot remake. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like what's trying to be made here is a Chinese action film mm-hmm. or a martial arts film. Jet Li is in it. Uh, Gong Li is in it. Donnie Yen is in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have all the same actors that would be in this. It seems like they're bypassing the songs. It looks, seems like they're bypassing the, the, the dragon and good for them. I mean I – I already have, if I want to watch it, the animated movie. It, I guess what I'm excited about here is that Disney might be making the first one of their concepts where they're making an actually different movie mm-hmm. than what the, the animated film was. Mm-hmm. Now, Cinderella, to me, was the closest they got to that. The Jungle Book did a little too. But they still kept the basic DNA of their animated films. I'm hopeful that this could be just a big action-adventure movie based around the concept of Mulan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and again, we'll we'll see. I may I may end up um, enjoying it, but I did. I enjoyed. Um, I, I did enjoy the animated one. I really I really liked it. I I enjoyed Mushu, <laughs> um, but uh, I enjoyed the music in it as well. Um, you know, I I still have uh, the "I'll Make a Man Out of You" on my workout playlist. So, and it's not um, that those songs are bad. I I, I guess I just. If we're going to do the live action version, let it let it be a different entity. Like mm-hmm. I, I love The Lion King, the animated film, but I like it, doing everything over again is not really appealing to me. You know, like yeah, I. So I have I have thoughts on The Lion King too. I I didn't feel like The Lion King really translated well onto uh, the screen. I mean, other than looking at it and being like, "Hey, look where CGI has come." Um, there was no point to it, really. Yeah, and 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 I felt like even with that, uh, there was no uh, there was no emotion that was coming from these animals. It was like, oh, they're talking animals that have no expressions to them. Um, so I was actually I was disappointed with the Lion King. Um, yeah, I didn't care much for it. I enjoyed honestly, and I didn't think I would. I liked the Aladdin movie better than I liked the Lion King. And I'm looking forward that I know that comes out to Disney Plus this year, so I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. that one when it comes out on Disney Plus because I still have not seen that one yet. Yeah, so that should be good. Um, but Doolittle looks like it could be interesting. It's got a big cast. Uh, Downey Jr.'s in it. Uh, Bad Boys for Life. I don't <laughs> care much about I want to see it just because I remember watching the other two when I was growing up and I enjoyed those. I remember um, watching the first one. I remember the second one being kind of a train wreck. Um, also involving possibly train wrecks. But uh, <laughs> In Cuba. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah. Oh man, it was like it was every excessive thing to the point that he's like, "Look, you can't criticize us. It's just excess." Right. 
We have the Birds of Prey movie that I I don't really oh not, yeah feel a lot of energy towards that one either. The um, only thing I would I'm interested in seeing um, because I did enjoy Margot Robbie's um, Robbie's uh, portrayal of Harley Quinn. I am interested in seeing her, but other than that, I agree with you. I don't I don't really have any desire to see that movie. Yeah, there's a ver- another version of the Turning of the Screw, uh, a horror Henry James's horror story called The Turning that's coming out. Mm-hmm. That actually, um, it has Finn Wolfhard in it from uh, Stranger Things, yes. it's cashing in I think on his weird oddness <laughs> that, yes. that he's established that he's getting older. Yes. Uh, and speaking of Finn Wolfhard, he's also going to be in the new Ghostbusters Afterlife movie. Yes. Uh, what do you think about that trailer? That looks interesting. Um, I can't tell if they're, if they're wanting me to try to like take this more seriously than, uh, than the other Ghostbusters movies. Um, or if they're just, they're portraying this in such a way that's going to, um, just take me by surprise in the level, uh, in, in the movie because the trailer seems to have a much more serious, almost spooky tone to it than the movies did. Um, well, you know, um, and that's interesting. Yeah, that, that's, but that almost is what was appealing to me about this. And I can't, I don't remember. I was a kid when the first movie came out. Uh, and by the second movie, it was again, sequelitis. So you knew what you were getting, but wasn't that kind of the cool thing? Are you a fan of Ghostbusters? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, th- let me, uh, we've gone on forever. Here. L- that's one of the games I forgot to mention. Now the, PS3 many years ago released a Ghostbusters game. Do you remember yes, this? Yeah. It was like and it was a big deal because at that point in time it didn't seem like there was ever going to be a Ghostbusters 3 and this was about 2009 I think before Harold Ramis passed. Yep. And Ramis and Dacroyd wrote a script for a video game and Murray and Ernie Hudson and Aykroyd and Ramis and everybody came back. I mean, they even have some of the smaller players come back and do the voices. Everybody who did the voices for these various characters came back and they made it. And then they did a remastered version of it this year uh, that they released. And it's actually, I think it may still be on sale. I I picked it up and I've been playing it. It's real. Have you played it? No, I have not yet. It's really fun. It's, I mean, it's definitely you're playing a remastered version of a PS3 game, but it's so much fun just capturing the ghosts. But they go back and they go back to the the, the hotel from the original, and you fight the Stay Puft at some point. But even in that, they're telling a story through it. But if you think back, playing that video game reminded me about something about the original movie. Is that the original movie has an eerie and spooky tone initially, and what is so funny about it is the way it flips it. Mm. If you think about all the those creepy scenes, think about it because I, as a kid, saw it back to back with Gremlins. I was pretty freaked out because you think about like when when uh, Sigourney Weaver sees that dog in her fridge right. or whatever, or like when it busts through the party. Like that's a horror scene when that thing is chasing Rick Moranis. Like yeah. that's scary. Like when they go into the library and that that female ghost is yeah. categorizing the books and they and she she shushes them, but then when she turns around, she's that horrible thing. Yeah, like. Those things were all scary. Like when they're they're facing the apocalypse and they're talking about this this deity that's about to show up and destroy them all, and they have to pick its what it's going to look like, and you're expecting the worst thing in the world, and then that marshmallow boy comes walking. <laughs> like I think what we've lost an appreciation for is like when you saw I saw that movie as a kid, I didn't know that was going to happen, so I was waiting to see this horrible. I almost didn't want to see what was going to come around that corner. 
because yeah. they play, you know, they got Moranis talking about it came as a thing and roasted people in his belly. And you're like, oh my gosh, what is this thing going to look like? I don't want to see this. And then the marshmallow boy face, you know, like, right. so I think what's so funny about Ghostbusters is Bill Murray cracking jokes in the face of everything that's going on yeah creatures and i i don't expect the 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 old guys the old guard to be um uh ex, you know uh play a large role in this i do think they're going to be in the movie i mean they better be in the movie they did cameos yeah. for the the new ghostbuster movie which i didn't uh, all those silly things why people were against that movie uh, that was dopey the problem with that movie is it just wasn't a very good movie yeah uh, it did, they didn't put a lot of effort into it they didn't put a lot of effort into the ghost what I'm seeing in this trailer, though, is they're definitely going for a Stranger Things kind of vibe. You know, the kid, the kid adventure movie vibe, like a Goonies kind of vibe. Yeah. But I think that what they're trying to sell us on is the adventure and the spooky idea. And I think that's what was lacking. And if you if, did, you see the female Ghostbusters? I did not. No, and it was just because I didn't have time, not because yeah, of any. Yeah. Oh, that the cast, the female cast was fine. They were actually a lot of fun. But what was weird was they didn't properly contextualize any of the ghosts. They didn't try to make the ghosts seem creepy or spooky, even for a second. Like, you know, the second before you realize how silly it is that, like, the fisherman ghost, you know, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, the goofiness of the cab driver ghost or the little green ghost that's eating all the hot dogs. Like, the Slimer character, it seems like this movie is taking it like, okay, ghosts are creepy, they're spooky, but then we'll bring in – I'm. It, there was a lot that wasn't seen in that trailer, you know? Yeah, and yeah. I think if you think back to the original Ghostbusters, there are serious threats in that movie. The, the dogs, the, the, the goat, the, even the Slimer, and then particularly Gozer, the Gozerian, right. and all of that stuff is something from a horror film. Yeah. And I think the whole gist was it's a horror movie with this bunch of like, like lackadaisical schlubs right they come on in and now they're gonna bust ghosts and that was the genius it was a it was like a bill it was like stripes right meets right like meets like poltergeist yeah I mean, that's basically what you had so if they capture that i liked that the trailer was not giving me a bunch of jokes or ruining everything it was giving me what seemed like a mystery kind of movie maybe yeah um uh, i mean it, it probably will turn around and be just a complete redo what about bill and ted face the music <laughs> <laughs> so I just recently rewatched uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Um, I, you know, I, <laughs> it holds up. It does. It does. <laughs> And you know what? I actually like Bogus Journey even better. I I have to go back and rewatch Bogus Journey. It's been a while, but yeah, it does. You're right. It does hold up. And so you got to give Bogus Journey credit for going out there. Like they go, they just go for it. They're like, yeah. we're going to heaven. We're going to hell. We're going to outer space. Yeah, we're gonna fight. We're gonna fight the Reaper. Who's <laughs> so. coming back in this one? <laughs> nice, nice. So yeah, Man. I. I am interested in seeing seeing this one. <laughs> Have you seen the picture though of uh, of the of the of the two of them together? Yeah, well, Keanu Reeves really doesn't look too much different except for facial hair. That's, but well, no, no, we're, we're, well, but they've taken his facial hair off in the picture, so he looks like Severus Snape. <laughs> like in the picture, of the, I looked at him, like, something is familiar here. I can't figure out. I was like, wait, he looks like Snape. He does. You, know, you find a picture of him and um, Winters. Winters doesn't look that much different either. Looking out of the coming to America too. <laughs> <laughs> I was stunned. That's coming in Christmas. Uncharted is coming. I uh, did. They finally settle on a um, on a main actor for that one. 
It says it's starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, but it says in talks on the thing I'm looking for. I'm not okay. sure. Uh, I, I kind of would hope it. I mean, I don't like. I, I've heard that Tom Holland is is starring in it, so maybe. I mean, I don't. Tom Holland isn't. I don't know. If he he doesn't seem to cut the the figure I would think with Drake, but I don't really like Mark Wahlberg that much. So yeah. Well, I know. Really, I know. Initially, when they were looking to cast, uh, when the when the um, series initially came out they were already in talks and doing a movie and they wanted to cast Nathan Fillion which is actually who they based the character off of um and yeah, so Fillion might be yeah I don't know if he's he's wanting to do that swashbuckling thing these days yeah, maybe yeah he's a little um I don't know if he's kept it's like with Bruce Campbell he'd have to go well he'd he, have to do some uh run through some hoops to get into the shape actually I think he's it. he's dropped some some weight since being on the rookie because if you look and at him that in he's season heavy, but I don't even mean as he's heavy right like you know getting into that like I would they like um I saw, you know, I keep seeing all these like slightly chubby comedians that get hired for Marvel movies, and right. then they're all cut. Somebody's like, "Why do you keep taking away my chubby little comedians?" <laughs> um, Godzilla versus Kong. Yep, I'm looking forward to uh, that. I'm one. Really I enjoyed. I even enjoyed the last Godzilla movie. Honestly, I know some people were down on it. Ghidorah, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Yep, uh, they're remaking The Witches with Robert Zemeckis. So uh, the roll dolls, the witches. Mm, okay. So that could be fun. Death on the Nile. There's one I'm interested in. Yeah. And he wraps it up. It's called Bios. Uh, Tom Hanks is in it. And he is this, he's the last person on earth and he's got mm. his, uh, his dog, but he's dying. And he's like, well, when I'm gone, who's going to take care of the dog? So he builds a robot specifically for that purpose. Okay. And I don't know much else about it except for that, but that's kind of an interesting premise. I huh. think for a movie and it, it almost reminds me of like silent running, you know, from back yeah. in the day. So um, there's probably other things we can talk about. So there's a Monster Hunter movie coming in September. Are you serious? So the good news is one Perlman is in it. Okay. The not the, the okay news is that Mia Jovovich is in it. The and Tony Jaw is in it too. You know, um, uh, going back, Tony Jaw. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the the butt. <laughs> the but is it's directed by Paul W. S. Anderson. That's not Paul Thomas Anderson who did, you know, uh, There Will Be Blood and all those movies. <laughs> this is the guy who did the Resident Evil movies <laughs> and that three musket that three musketeers steampunk movie that came out a few years back and that movie Soldier with Kurt Russell. Actually I liked Soldier. I liked Soldier, but it felt like it should have been bad. like like it felt like I was like, what did you do with this? But, you know, right. it was like, who, who directed this? Did someone direct this? <laughs> but Paul, that was that was when he wasn't so bad. That's when he done, like, Mortal Kombat, which was okay. Yep. And then he did Event Horizon, which was okay. And Soldier, which was, was, was okay, but heading towards, like, sci-fi level. And then, like, a lot of his stuff has just been, like, just trash. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how to feel about the fact. I was like, Monster Hunter. So... Uh, the next Conjuring movie is indeed called The Conjuring. The Devil Made Me Do It. Uh, so there's uh, that. Uh, and I think with that, we could probably wrap this up, man. Um, there's, you know, there's always stuff. I, I What I'm always interested in is it seems like most of the time, and I know we didn't get into our best ofs this year, but like it seems like the stuff that has the biggest impact with me is stuff I never had a clue was coming out. Yeah. 
at the time at the start of the year. You know, at a time like this when I'm sitting here looking on the horizon, some of these big things. I actually have no doubt that like something like Dune will be fantastic and some of these movies we talked about. I think the comic book movies, they have a tendency to, you know, particularly Marvel has a tendency to to make it so we're not sitting there scratching our head like, why did they make that? You right, know? right. But um, who knows? Next year we could be talking about how how good Sonic the Hedgehog is. <laughs> but it's uh, unlikely. Right, right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this was uh, this was great. I mean, you know, uh, a good uh, welcome back for uh, Phantom Galaxy for being out a while. And this will be a good kind of uh, – you know, crossover bonus episode for, uh, for these go to 11. Um, for those listening, Zach and I will be back on Thursday, uh, to, to record an episode. Um, but until then, enjoy this one. Uh, Nathan, All two hours of it. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so until next time, Nathan, we just rock the Casbah. These go to 11. <laughs>